Well, good morning. Glad you all can join us. We did, a, did have a great week this past week. Unfortunately, I got sick on Friday. <laughs> I managed to get through the week, and so I'm a little under the weather. Um, other than my throat being a problem, we should be able to get uh, through this morning fine. So just bear with me. We're in a series, and uh, got a couple more weeks left in this series, called Too Good to Be Tr- Grace, Too Good to Be True, but it is true. And uh, first week, about five weeks ago, we started with salvation, the foundation of, of our, uh, our Christian life, is based, not, not based on my performance, your performance, good or bad. Uh, none of us are good enough to get into heaven. None of us are bad enough not to be able to get into heaven. It's not based on our, our performance activity, but God's promise. By faith, grace through faith, you are saved. You're, you enter into a relationship with God. That's it, all right? We talked about that for uh, all these weeks. Last week, we talked about an important topic. I'm not okay, meaning I mess up, you mess up. God is perfect, we're not. So that's a big problem, but it's okay Again, not because I can fix it, but because of God's grace makes me okay. Now, for all these weeks, we've been talking about being on the receiving end of grace. We're going to change things up a little bit today. We're going to talk about offering grace. We said that God is for us, not only beside us or with us or in us as believers, but he's for us, even though he has all kinds of reasons to be against us, right? We've messed up, we've treated him poorly, yet he loves us and is continues to be for us. All the things you and I have are because of God's grace. Our physical strength, our mental abilities, material things we have, all that, our jobs, all that is the result of God's grace. We don't deserve any of it. It's a gift from him. But why? Why does God grace you (laughs) with all that you have? So you can just say, hey, I'm, I'm really graced. No, <laughs> it's to, to pass it on. So if God's been financially generous to you, he wants you to be financially generous to other people. Same thing with forgiveness. Probably nothing, we've never received anything more than we've received, than we re- have received forgiveness, right? So consequently, since I am forgiven, God has graced me. I am to, to share that or offer that to other people. Now, on the topic of forgiveness, there's a lot of bad thinking, uh, misguided thinking, uh, maybe even good intentions. So we're going to first look at what forgiveness isn't. Well, actually, we're going to give you a quiz first, and then we're going to look at what forgiveness isn't, and then uh, what forgiveness is. So here's a little quiz. Don't yell out the answers. Um, You can just mark it down. A person should not be forgiven until he asks for it. Okay, is that true or false? I'm not going to forgive you until you ask for it. Is that true? Forgiveness minimizes the offense and the pain it caused. So, okay, I'm going to forgive you because it's no big deal. Thirdly, forgiveness includes restoring the relationship. Okay? I don't care what you've done. I forgive you so you can, you know, 
we can have this great relationship again. Uh, fourthly, you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten it. That's kind of a cliche in our culture, right? Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Is that true? And lastly, when others are hurt, I must forgive their offenders. So if I offend my wife, you need to forgive me. All right, true or false? Not how you did. This is a topic I talk about a lot around here, so if you've been here for a few years, you should get an, an 100% on this quiz. Just looking at the ministry of Jesus, we discover that the answer to all these questions is false. So let's go through them again and see why they're all false. First, forgiveness is not conditional, including the person has to ask. I won't forgive you until you ask. If you ask me, I'll forgive you. There's lots of other conditions. I'll forgive you if you change. If you promise not to do it again. We've all been there, done that, right? Or tried that. Conditions. Jesus, hanging on the cross, said, prayed this prayer. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Did anybody in the crowd say, hey, Jesus, forgive us for nailing you on the cross? Nobody asked for that forgiveness. Yet Jesus offered that and prayed that prayer. <clears throat> so, is it conditional? If, then, no. It's just like God's grace in, in the other areas of our lives. It's unconditional. Secondly, minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not that. It's not saying, this shouldn't hurt you. It's not saying you don't hurt. When we are offended, we hurt. That's natural. That's healthy. This couple that, that uh, abused his child and that died a couple, uh, probably a month ago now in, in, in our county. Should we just forgive this guy? This couple? No big deal. That's crazy, right? It is a big deal. A child died. So it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Of the offense. Now, there's a difference between being wronged and being wounded. We're all wronged. Uh, we all do stuff to hurt other people, often unintentionally. That doesn't need to be forgiven. But when we've done something intentionally that hurt another person, wounded them, that needs to be forgiven. Let me give you a kind of silly illustration. My, the way I dressed may offend you. <laughs> Last week, my hair, evidently, may offend some of you. All right. Do you need to forgive me for my haircut and my clothes? No, you don't need to forgive me. You just need to accept me. There's a difference. Acceptance is a really big deal, and we, we, we emphasize it a lot around here because God accepts all of us, right? But that doesn't need forgiveness. If I've hurt you, I've done something unkind to you, uh, then that needs to be forgiven. So it's not minimizing the seriousness. Thirdly, resuming the relationship without change. Now, this is really important. Forgiveness should be instantaneous, but relationships are built on trust. Trust takes time. It has to be built 
if you will. My part is the forgiveness. And you're, if you've offended me, then you're, you've got a part in rebuilding trust. There's three things that's required from building trust. First is repentance. So if you've offended me, you need to truly repent of that and say to God and to me that it was wrong, I hurt you, I'm sorry. Um, the second part is restitution. What can I do to make it better? Now, the easiest thing to think about is if somebody's borrowed money hasn't paid it back. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, eventually, I'll pay it back. That's restitution. And the third thing is to rebuild the trust, to prove yourself trustworthy. Then you can restore the relationship. So, uh, forgiveness is instantaneous. Relationship takes uh, building trust. And God forbid you're in some kind of abusive situation, whether a parent or a spouse, and they ask you to forgive you, forgive them, you say, yes, I forgive you. And they ask, well, we can, can I move back home? Or are you coming back home? You say, no. You need to get some help. You need, you need to get this fixed in your life. So resuming a relationship without change is not forgiveness. Uh, what do we have next? Forgetting what happened. This is kind of crazy, actually. It's not even possible. If I said, try, whatever, try and forget. Try and forget today is, it, it's now August, okay? Forget it's August. Now, you're all going to forget it, right? Our way our minds work, when you focus on something, you are less likely to forget it. The only way you can forget is to replace it with something else. All of us remember hurts from 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Hopefully we've forgiven all those situations, but it has nothing to do with forgetting it. Sometimes it is impossible. In fact, the greater the hurt, the harder it is to forgive, right? Actually, let me tell you this, there's something better than forgiving and forgetting. And this is when we remember and the pain is gone. Because when we remember and the pain is gone, we say, thank you, God, that you got me through this, you restored me, you've removed the pain, I've matured through this, I'm a better person through this. If you forget it, are you going to thank God for it? No. So there's actually something better, and that's remembering, yet um, no, longer, no longer hurting from the situation. And next my right when I wasn't the one that was hurt. Who is the only person that for, can forgive somebody? It's the person that was offended. If I offend my wife, she's the only person that can forgive me. You can't forgive me, and vice versa. And there's all kinds of crazy illustrations. You know, somebody goes into school and kills a bunch of kids, and somebody gets on the news and says, we need to forgive this person. No, 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 no. The family members of the the children that were killed, yeah, it's up to them to forgive them, not me. The Nazis in in, um, the Second World War. I just watched uh, Schindler's List recently. Over six million Jews were killed. Is it my place to forgive them? And I'm of German descent. No, it's not my place. There's like 6,000 some descendants from the people that Schindler was able to save. Those people would be the one that could could forgive them. In fact, if this was true, we wouldn't have to have any jails. 
right? I would just forgive everybody in all the prisons and everybody could go home. See how crazy that is? Now, there's a difference between forgiveness and consequences. And the reason people are in jail, it's the consequences of their actions. Whoever they harmed, if they harmed someone, they may or may not forgive them, but they're still going to have to suffer the consequences. Two different things. In fact, if we were to do this, it cheapens grace. It really has no value, does it? So that's what forgiveness isn't. Now, we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus, and Luke recorded this, and Luke was a doctor, and he's kind of a technical writer, and it's interesting to watch the way he writes. But I'm going to kind of lead you into the story. A Pharisee by the name of Simon invites Jesus to have a meal at his house, and evidently there's some other Pharisees probably there. Now, Pharisees were the religious leaders, and we see lots of stories where religious leaders and sinners or bad people are contrasted. This is one instant. So he goes to his house. He reclines. They recline when they ate. They reclined on, uh, on one elbow. And he's reclining. This lady comes in. She's described as a, as, as a great sinner. And she gets at Jesus' feet. She's probably kneeling. She begins to cry. And the tears fall on Jesus' feet. And then she takes her hair and starts to clean his feet. And they were dusty from being walking around. After she does that, she begins kissing, repeatedly kissing his feet. And then she has some expensive perfume. So this may have came from her profession. We don't know where she got the, the money for the perfume. But expensive perfume and anoints his feet with it. Now Simon's watching this and he's saying, hey, uh, yeah, he probably invited him there to see, hey, is this guy a... Truly a prophet. And he sees this going on. He says, this guy can't be a, thinking to himself, this guy can't be a prophet because he, wouldn't, he knows this is a sinful woman and, and a, a prophet wouldn't let a sinful woman touch him. So we already know he's not a prophet, right? So we're here, we'll pick the story up here. It's interesting. Then Jesus entered, answered his what? Thoughts. Now Jesus knows what you think and I think, but, but I don't think it's anything really supernatural here. I think Jesus could have just figured it out, right? Pharisees, don't let a sinner touch them. I've let the sinner touch me. They're thinking, I'm not a prophet, certainly not the Messiah. Simon, he says to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Ask permission. He didn't start scolding him or telling him uh, that his thoughts were wrong. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. So he gave him permission. It's always good to get permission if you're going to try and correct somebody, right? (laughs) Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. So one person's got 10 times more than the other person. So we'd say one person gets a lot of money, the other person gets a little bit of money. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly or generously or graciously forgave them both. Okay, you don't owe me 500 pieces of silver. You don't owe me 50. Nobody owes me anything. In fact, it says they canceled their debts, tore it up. It's gone. doesn't exist anymore. Completely forgiven. 
Now, here is the clincher. Here's the question. Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Now, notice Simon's response. It's, it's kind of interesting. The answer is obvious, right? We all know the answer. Simon knew the answer, but he res- kind of <laughs> responds with a, a doubt. I suppose... I really know, but I don't want to admit it. So I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, that's right. You got it. You understand. Then he goes on to say, hey, Simon, I came in and you didn't give me the courtesy of of giving me some water to wash my feet. And here's this woman, sinful woman, washing my feet with her tears and with her hair. Another comic common courtesy Simon was to greet me with a kiss you didn't do that and she has repeatedly kissed my feet and Simon you should have anointed my head with oil uh, to be a gracious host and you didn't do that and she has taken this expensive perfume and anointed my feet and then the story picks up I tell you Jesus speaking her sins and they are many He didn't belittle the fact that she was a great sinner. Have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. 500 pieces of silver love, right? But a person who is forgiven little, there's only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Now this is going to get him in trouble right there. Who's the only person who can forgive sin? I can forgive you. I can't forgive you of your sin. Only God can do that, right? And Jesus said, I forgive you of your sins, meaning he's saying I am God. The men, I told you there was other people there, the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sin? Who does he think he is? He thinks he's God or something? (laughs) Exactly. And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Again, not our performance, but your faith. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And without forgiveness, you can't have peace. So she's experienced peace because God has forgiven her her great offense. So I'd like to summarize it this way. The more I feel forgiven, the more I want to forgive. The more I feel graced, the more I want to be gracious. Really, really important. If you struggle with being a forgiving person, you struggle with feeling forgiven. Because the person that experienced great forgiveness, which we all have, is going to offer great forgiveness. So we got four things that are going to describe grace, this, uh, forgiveness this morning. First, it's remembering how much I've been Forgiven. Why are you forgiven? Because you deserved it. You earned it. You worked for it. No, it goes back to week one. God forgives us because of his grace. He just wants to, if we believe. I mean, we have to respond. We have to act in faith. But as long as we do that, he forgives us. Everything, anything. Has nothing to do with you know, just because I asked for it. 
even though that's important. It's remembering how much I've been forgiven. If you don't feel it, if you don't accept it, then you're going to struggle forgiving other people. Secondly, real forgiveness is relinquishing my right to get even. Now, sometimes we don't forgive somebody because we want to make them pay for hurting us, right? So my, what I need to do is absorb the pain. Not to cause you pain, but to absorb the pain from the hurt you've caused me. But that's unfair. Yeah, forgiveness isn't fair. The fact that God forgave you, is that fair? No, justice is fair. Forgiveness isn't fair. And if you're hung up on all that, one day there will be justice. The books are all going to be balanced one day. So that person that hurt you. Important question. Who would do a better job of balancing the books at the end? You or God? God, right? Basically for two big reasons. First, he knows exactly how to balance it. You and I don't know. Secondly, he's the only one who has the ability or the power to enforce justice. So it's not my right, not your right, it's not our job to get even. Leave that to God. Real forgiveness. We live that, give up that right. Thirdly, responding to evil with good. How do you tell if you've truly forgiven somebody? When you can honestly pray for the best for that person. Can you do that? God, that person really hurt me, but I want you to do well for them, to bless them. And I say, well, that's impossible. Yeah, probably is. It's only by the grace of God, the indwelling of God's love and power in your life that you and I can do that. But you, then it is possible. We say this a lot. Hurt people hurt people. And one of the things that's helped me the most is when, because the natural thing is when you get hurt is to hurt back, right? And so when I learned this, I think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, if that person is hurting me, they're hurting. If you see a child crying, you want to help. So this person is in some ways, crying out for help when they hurt us. There's something going on. So my whole attitude changes. I want to help this person get through their hurt. I don't want to make them hurt more because they hurt me. You know, that story about the guy came to work and said, my wife got historical last night. And the guy said, you mean hysterical? And he said, no, historical. She told me all the wrong things I've ever done. And how often do we get into that historical mode when we get hurt? My wife is kind of, and I have made kind of this agreement a long time ago. When we're dealing with some issue in our marriage, we deal with that issue. And if so, one of us starts to bring up something from the past, the other one stops. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's in the past. Let's just deal with now. Responding to evil with good. And fourthly, repeating the process 
as long as necessary. Peter came to Jesus one day and asked, how many times should I forgive somebody? And he said, seven. I don't know why he said seven, but he, he was being gracious because the law said three times. I don't understand why three, because there would be no marriages, right? <laughs> if we only forgave each other three times. Jesus' response was basically, it's unlimited. It's limitless. When I forgive somebody, and when I think about it again, it still hurts, I have to forgive them again. I usually describe it this way. There's intellectual forgiveness and emotional forgiveness, or mental forgiveness. Intellectual or mental or spiritual forgiveness should be instantaneous. As soon as somebody hurts, you just go ahead and forgive them. Oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. It's going to hurt. And it may hurt for a long time. And so every time that hurt comes back, you say, I forgive you. Hurt comes back. I forgive you. It may take 70 times 7. It's a process for our emotions to catch up with our minds. There's lots of techniques. Let me share a couple with you. One is use an empty chair technique. Because sometimes it's not even possible to ask for forgiveness, uh, tell a person that they've hurt you. And other times it's not advisable to do it. So take an empty chair, pretend the person sitting there, and just pour out your heart. Some people like the technique that they put Jesus in the chair. If that works for you, that's great. Jesus, I'm hurting for this, or uh, I just want to tell you that, that this really bothers me, and I'm struggling with it, and I keep forgiving you, but it still hurts. Whatever. Another technique is to write it all down, if that's more your style. Somebody from the first service told us that she had done that. And she had taken these letters. Her counselor told her to do this. He, she went, he went with her. Took her to uh, a cemetery. I think I don't get the story right. And put all the letters in a, in a, in a, a can and, and burn, them, burn them up and then turn the can over. They were gone. Whatever technique helps or works for you, use it. Because it's a process. And just because it still hurts doesn't mean you didn't initially forgive them. This is what I really struggled with for years and years and years. It's a process continually until the emotions come up, catch up to your mind. But it still hurts. Yes, sometimes it will. It's unfair. Yes, it's unfair. So let's end up by answering this question. Why should I do this? Let me give you three big, big reasons. Because God has been gracious to me. Again, do you deserve to be forgiven? I deserve to be forgiven. Does anybody deserve to be forgiven? Nobody does. But God forgives, you know, given, forgiven me, who knows, thousands of sins over my lifetime, and yours too. I say this a lot too. You're never going to have to forgive anybody else nowhere near as much as God has forgiven you, right? My wife probably, I've offended more than anybody else because I've been married almost 39 years. I, God still had to forgive me 10 times more than my wife has because I've offended lots of other people, unfortunately, right? And so have you. God's been gracious to me. 
I've received it, I should certainly give it. Secondly, because the alternative is bitterness, and we're about out of time, so I won't spend a lot of time on this, but what is the benefit of bitterness, resentment, hatred? One of the most damaging emotions we have as human beings. Does it change the situation? Does it solve the problem? Does it make you feel better? It's crazy, isn't it? We hold on to this bitterness when it doesn't do any good. In fact, it does us harm. That's the alternative. Basically, have two, forgiveness or bitterness. That's the only alternative. Yeah, there's no middle ground. And thirdly, because God expects me to. God tells me to. Lord's Prayer. Most of you know the Lord's Prayer. There's a line in there probably most of us don't want to pray. It goes like this. God, forgive me as I forgive other people. Do you really want God to answer that prayer? Probably not. But I don't feel like forgiving him. What's feelings got to do with it? Now, you and I will be hurt, have been and will be. The only question is, what are you going to do with it? You're going to forgive, or are you going to be bitter? I'm going to show you a movie clip here, uh, true story. A guy that was uh, captured by the Japanese in World War II. Went through some terrible years where he was destroying his marriage, but Louis was saved by his wife's insistence that he go to see a sermon by Billy Graham, who at that time was a very young man, not very well known, but he was speaking in Los Angeles. Louis didn't want to go, but his wife was going to leave him. And he agreed on that basis to go see him speak. And he sat in the back of the audience and he was unhappy and he was sullen, but Graham spoke of things that resonated with Louis, with his experience about how God reaches into people's lives and helps them get through things that seem unsurvivable. I think all the prisoners had basically made the same prayer. Get me home alive to my family, God, and I'll seek you, I'll serve you. And you make promises while you're under a dire situation. But uh, how many of them keep their promise? I didn't. And so my life fell apart. And it was at that moment that he made this realization to, to himself that he thought God had actually helped him through this, and he owed God something, and he realized what he needed to do. So I went forward in the meeting and made my confession of faith in Christ, and I couldn't believe what happened. While I was still on my knees, my life changed in a matter of moments because I knew I was through getting drunk, and I knew that I forgave my guards, and I knew it was a miracle because I forgave the bird. And, and that was the first night. The first night in two and a half years, I didn't have a nightmare, and I haven't had one since. And Louis realized that God can forgive him for all the rotten things he did in his life that he ought to be able to forgive those that had done him wrong. So forgiving the guards and the bird uh, was actually salvation for him. It really turned him around in an instant. He 
decided he needed to test his forgiveness to see if he really had truly achieved it. And he went back to Japan to meet the guards who had, who had abused him so terribly. And he went to Sagama prison where they were all being held for war crimes. He went to every single one and looked him in the eye and told him that he forgave him for mm -hmm. the treatment that he received when he was a prisoner of war. He felt no animosity. He just felt compassion, and they couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. It was, it was a wonderful experience. He knew he had truly forgiven them. I think it's incredible that he forgave them. That's a lesson that he taught my father and me. By hating somebody, I'm not hurting them. I'm only hurting myself. You can forgive anybody. Forgiveness is always possible. None of us have experienced that, but we can, in some small way, maybe imagine how remarkable that was. And I understand it's a little different when it's some stranger and it's for, we're, for our loved ones have hurt us. But it still boils down to this. The more I feel forgiven, the more I want to forgive. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your enormous grace, your enormous forgiveness of us. Forgive us for even thinking of not forgiving someone else. It doesn't mean that, the, that they haven't hurt us. It doesn't mean that there's not work to do. It doesn't mean that I have to forget it. But I have to give it. I have to offer it. I have no other choice but bitterness, which is not a choice at all. So God, I want to pray for every person here. We've all been hurt. And we all struggle with this. I understand. But God, let us truly bask in your amazing grace, your forgiveness. And then it should be easy for us to forgive. Again, the work is a process, it may be hard, but forgiveness should be instantaneous. We also want to pray for anyone who has not stepped across that line and accepted your gift of salvation, not entered in a personal relationship with you, haven't accepted that gift, been changed as uh, Louis did on that day with Billy Graham. Uh, you can do it right now, just that, crying out to God, say, God, uh, save me. God, accept me. God, forgive me. And then your life, too, will be changed. God, we thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.